I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being a part of our services today. Let's also give it up for our God Behind Bars guys real quick. We love you guys. I'm grateful for you. I'm really excited about this brand new series called Triggered because so many people are triggered. You know, maybe it's something from your past that was brought up and just sets you off. Maybe it's a person that triggers you, someone that just, just they say things and just they just know how to push your buttons, right? Or maybe it's someone at work or, or maybe whatever, it's a situation that just drives you crazy. Maybe it's someone who has a drastically different political opinion than you and you just want to go off on them, right? We all seem to get triggered. I figure we should be talking on this subject considering it's a political year, right? An election year, we probably should be talking about what do you do when you get triggered during this time of the year and, and season as well. I'm very excited about this topic because all of us deal with this in our lives. Someone just sets you off or something just really gets you worked up. And so what do you do with those emotions? How do you take back your emotions to where you can be in control. We're talking about this uh, all month long. I'm very excited about this series. Again, thanks for being a part of our services today. And so we want to start off by saying our mission statement as a church, what we're all about here at Church Unlimited is what? We're here to do what? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. Again, thanks for coming out. We're so glad you guys are here for this brand new series. If you'll get out your notes, I want to jump right in and I got a lot of ground to cover. And, and uh, in fact, if you don't have the Church Unlimited app, I want to encourage you to download that today and uh, you can click on notes and you'll have all the things that I have in front of me. You'll have in front of you as well. And so I want to encourage you to do that. Now, I don't know what triggers you. Maybe it's a relationship, a past relationship. Maybe it's your ex. Maybe it's uh, someone who fired you or betrayed you. Uh, I'm not sure what it is for you, or maybe you're just in a tough moment and you feel like what's happening to you right now is very unfair. And so you just want to go off on someone. And so I'm not sure what it is for you, but we all have things that are trigger emotions inside of us that we had to figure out how to deal with. That's what this whole series is about. Again, we're glad you guys are here. I do want to mention that when I use the word triggered, I'm not talking about a psychological or medical term. I understand that there is such a thing. If that is you, maybe you're dealing with some PTSD. We have a lot of military, former military part of our church, or maybe for you, a traumatic experience that wasn't related that happened to you that can set you off. I, I get that. That is a whole nother level of being triggered. And I want to encourage you to get some help if you not talk to anyone about that. A sermon is not what you need. You're going to need some counseling for that, which I recommend. I think it's great. And uh, if you've never been to a counselor, you're missing out because they can really help you. You don't have to feel like you're broken or, or that you're weird or, you know, something's wrong with you to go to counseling. That's crazy. I mean, I take my car to the mechanic when my car is in good shape, too, to keep it in good shape. And so uh, you don't have to necessarily feel like you are messed up or something to do that. So I encourage you, if that's what you're dealing with, be sure to do that. It's a great thing. I love counseling. I have been. I've been the counselor and the counselee, both. And uh, it's a great experience. And so I encourage you uh, to get some help if you need that. But today I'm talking about just the general triggers that we all deal with. And we all have those in our lives. Maybe there's someone that just sets you off. Someone knows how to push your buttons. And so how do you deal with those kinds of situations? There's a guy in the Bible named Abraham. He was considered one of the patriarchs of the Bible. He's kind of like old school, like this guy started it all. God chose him to say, I'm going to make you the father of a, of a whole nation, and uh, I'm going to bless you with lots of descendants, lots of kids, basically, and then your kids are going to have kids, they're going to have kids, right? And you're going to have this whole nation. And so God promised him that. The thing was, when God promised him that, he was an old man. And so, and his wife was an old lady at that point, too. And so he's literally pushing 90, she is too. So they're thinking, uh, Lord, this is a little laughable to us that you're telling me that we're going to have kids. Like, that's not, you know, our plumbing hasn't worked like that in a long time. I mean, so unless you're going to come down and give me a little blue pill, I'm going to need a little help, okay? And so 
how in the world? <laughs> Sorry, forgive me, Lord. I know I barely saved. Let's be honest here. So anyways, <laughs> but you know, I'm thinking there's just no way, God. I mean, you, you, what you're promising me seems a little crazy to me, but that's what God told him. And so just to catch you up with the whole story of Abraham, the, the history of him. So he, he's told as, he, as he's an old man, you're going to give birth to a child and it's going to be with your wife, Sarah. And he's thinking like, uh, there's no way this can happen because uh, Sarah's as old as I am. And so she hadn't had plumbing that's been working for a long time either. So how in the world is this going to happen? In fact, it gets so bad that at one point she doesn't believe it. He doesn't believe it. So she says, okay, why don't you just sleep with my assistant? and get her pregnant. She's much younger. She's at child rearing years. And so he does that. It goes straight up Mari Povich really fast in their home. And so it's a pretty jacked up situation. And so, but God says, no, that's not my intent. That was that you and Sarah are going to have a baby. So they end up uh, getting pregnant. God does bless them with a child. The child's name is Isaac. And uh, it, it's, you know, it's a real blessing to them. They're kind of freaking out that they're able to have a, a kid. And so God kept his promise. And now this is the child that's like, you know, the golden child. You know, maybe you, you were uh, in your marriage or, or relationship, you had kids later in life. It's, it's funny how, how when you have kids when you're young versus when you're older, how different you kind of treat them. <laughs> I don't mean this ugly, but it's just kind of funny. Like when a, a couple shows up and they're like 20 nothing and uh, they show up with a baby, they're like drop the kid off of the nurse. They're like, yeah, here you go. We'll be back in a week. You know what I mean? They're not worried about it. But the, the parents that like couldn't get pregnant for like 10 years, they finally have a baby. She's 42. They have a baby. You know, they're like, here's my child. I'm going to bring three assistants in with you to help make sure everything's okay. You know, it's like so different how they treat their kid. You know what I mean? It's like, anything goes wrong, I'll have an alarm on me at all times to be able to run and help. You know, so funny how different, you know, like we treat kids. Or maybe you're like us and we had kids like, we've had three kids. And so like the first kid's like, there's like 15 books of, of pictures on the first kid. By the third kid, we barely took a picture. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's True confession. Right now, let's just be honest, right? It's so funny how that works, isn't it? It's true. My, my poor, my, my two uh, younger kids are like, seriously, dad, do you even have any pictures of us? You know, like Mason has 10 books, you know what I mean? And then like the next one, they're like, yeah, yeah, we'll get to it, you know? And so it's just one of those things. So, but you know, when you have kids when you're older and you, and you weren't able to have them for a long time, when you have that kid, it's like so precious. And all our kids are precious, you know that. I'm, I'm teasing, but the truth is there, there is something about this miracle child that was so special. And so then God does the unthinkable with what he requests of Abraham. I want to show you something in the scripture that may just shock you because it doesn't seem like God would lead like this. And maybe today you need to know that sometimes God leads you into situations that you never would have believed he would have gotten you in. And so maybe you feel like, where is God in this? with what I'm dealing with. Like, God, if you're such a God of love, why are you letting this happen to me? We've all been there. Abraham is there. Check out Genesis chapter 22. Here's what God does. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, God, because I'm, I'm an old guy now, so maybe I didn't hear that right. Surely you didn't just say to take the very child that you promised me that you allowed us miraculously to have and give him back to you? There's no way I heard you right, God, because I know you're a loving God. And you're a compassionate God and you care for me. And so there's no way you would allow that to happen to me. God's like, no, that's what I said. I didn't stutter. Abraham, I told you what I want you to do. Are you serious? Because I thought that we had a deal that you were going to bless me 
if I followed you, which I've been following you, I obey you, and then this is what you ask of me? Maybe you've been there in frustration thinking, seriously, are you kidding me, God? You've allowed this to happen to me? You allowed this situation to go down? I thought you cared for me. So what does Abraham do? Abraham does the exact opposite of what most of us would want to do. Look at the scripture. It says this, then the next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son, Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. See, this is the difference between Abraham's story and my story. Because if it was me, it would have been, then Bill got up early and argued with God all day. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. Or if I knew God wasn't going to bend or, 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 or change or negotiate with me that that was it. And he's just, this is his word. He's not going to change. Then I would have been ticked off at God and I'd be wanting to go off on him. Like, are you kidding me, God? Like, you want to talk about triggering me? This is the child you gave me. I know you're against murder, but you want me to sacrifice him? Like, what kind of God are you? Right? I mean, does anyone else relate to what I'm feeling right now? Like, are, are you kidding me? Maybe you're in a situation, it doesn't make sense that if this God is so close to you and loves you, why would he allow what you're going through to continue? Why wouldn't he fix this? Why wouldn't you take this cancer away? Why do I keep getting cancer? Oh, why is my child rebelling when I've been teaching him your ways and I've raised him in your church and yet he's still flipping out? Where are you, God? God, I'm serving you. I'm honoring you. I'm putting you first. And my spouse still left me. And I'm still broke. And my boss is all over me. And Lord, I thought you were going to take care of me. Anybody else have been there? When things just don't seem to make sense to us? What does this mean for you and me? Number one, would you write this down? Your trigger is your test. Your trigger is your test. You know what Mount Moriah means, the name Moriah? It means God sees you. I just want to encourage you today that you may be in a really unfair situation, but you need to know that God sees you. Maybe you're a single mom, and I've never met a single mom that wanted to be one. And you're like, I'm working my butt off, and I look over at my, my ex, and they seem to have more money and doing really well, and I've got this load of all these kids, and I'm dealing with this and that. How is that fair? God sees you. He sees it. He's aware. I'm trying to honor the Lord, and I get this job, that I feel like God gave me that job, and I'm working hard, and now it feels like everyone in the office is against me. God sees you. He's aware. He knows what's going on. God has not forgotten you. He sees what's happening in your life. He's aware of your health situation. He knows about the financial struggles. He knows about the legal battle you're in. God sees you. He knows. He's aware of the burden you're carrying. So what does Abraham do that most of us don't do? Most of us would be triggered. We'd go off. We'd become bitter. We'd snap at people on Facebook, go crazy with our little thumbs on Twitter. We'd be ticked off. We'd be frustrated. Or we'd snap at someone, the boss or our spouse or a friend, and we'd just, ah, it's not right. It's not fair. Why? Abraham doesn't do that. He does the exact opposite of that. He simply obeys the Lord in a seemingly impossible situation. Look what happens next. On the third day of their journey, Abraham said, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will travel a little farther. He's talking to his servants. We will worship there and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders. 
while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, we have the fire and the wood, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? I mean, Isaac's starting to figure stuff out. He, you know, Isaac's not four or five. He's like 10, 12, 11, 10, 11 12, 13. He, he's a teenager. He's entering those teenage years, you know? And so he's like, well, I'm not dumb. If we're going to go, you know, do a burnt offering, like where's the sheep? Where's the lamb we're taking with us? Because it's just me and you, dad. So he's starting to figure it out. He's like, dad, what's going on? And, and, and his dad says, what? God will provide. Don't worry. God will provide a sheep. Isaac, let's just, let's just keep going. Says God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Now, at this point, Isaac knows what's up. I mean, he's not dumb, right? He's like, what? He's like, yeah, Isaac, I need you to sit real still. I'm about to tie you up. This is crazy. Like, are you, are you serious? You know what the name Isaac means, by the way? It means laughter. You know where we're triggered? We're triggered by what or who takes our laughter away. That's what triggers us, isn't it? Who has stolen your joy? What has taken your fun? That's what we get triggered by. So Isaac gets tied up by his father. They lay him on the altar on top of the wood. At that moment, so now... He's got the knife up above his own son. His son realizes what's about to happen to him as well. And then what happens? At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven. Abraham, Abraham. I'm sure with tears in his eyes, he said, yes, Lord. Like, please stop this. Yet he was willing. Abraham, Abraham. Here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me, even your son, your only son. Wow. You see the parallel here, by the way? A sign that you, that you love God, you're willing to even give your only son. I think someone else gave their only son for us. Clear parallel. Isaac, by the way, carried the wood. Do you know this is not just a test of faith for Abraham, this is a test of faith for Isaac. You know, Isaac was a teenager, which means, you know, when you're a te your teenage years, like the best shape in your life, right? Like when your teenage years, like I remember I had abs in my teenage year. I still do. I just keep them tucked away now. <laughs> They're there. I just keep them cushioned a little bit. But I mean, you're in the best shape of your life. His dad's an old man. He could have overpowered his father. He didn't even try. He said, my dad told me to stay here. I'm going to stay here. I trust my father. It's pretty unbelievable what he does there. What does this tell you and me? Number one was that your trigger is your test. Number two, God is bigger than your frustration. God is bigger than your frustration. Two phrases are used in the scripture here. It says, he says, God will provide. And then, and then God said about him, you have not withheld anything. You know, one of the things that makes us mad, what triggers us is when we feel like God's not providing for us. Isn't it true? Doesn't that trigger you? I want to talk to the single ladies for a second across all of our campus. It's all the single ladies, all the single ladies. I want to talk to you real quick. Isn't it funny how when you're waiting on God to provide the man of your dreams to show up so you can get married, you know, fall in love and, and get engaged, it seems like all your girlfriends are getting engaged, right? They all show up, look, 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 all limp wrist disease, look, look. <laughs> it seems like all your girlfriends are getting engaged. And what do you do? Are you happy for them? Oh, no. We're like, well, that seems kind of fast. I'm not going to lie. That seems a little cool. Because <laughs> you're mad. It's not you. 
You're ticked off like, Lord, this is supposed to happen to me and everyone else is getting engaged. And I know her. I know what she's up to. She shouldn't be getting engaged. You shouldn't be blessing her because, you know, she's, you know, I should be getting engaged. And we're ticked off because it seems like God's blessing everyone but us. She's like, everyone else gets the promotion at work, but not me. I mean, both of the clowns getting a promotion at work, but I'm not getting it. It's like, what the heck, Lord? I mean, you're going to bless everyone but me? As if somehow if God gives one person a piece of pie, that's one piece of pie you can't have. Like God's not making more pies. Like somehow his blessings are limited. Like if God blesses them, then he will. How many guys would agree with me you want everyone to be blessed? Can we admit that? Like we're cool with everyone being blessed by God. Are you cool with that? Are we? Really? Are we cool with that? Okay. Okay, that's good. We're cool with that, right? So you're cool with your ex being blessed, right? Oh. Oh, you're not. Huh. I thought you just said you want everyone to be blessed. Well, everyone but them. I mean, you can bless everybody else, Lord, but not, not them, right? I mean, what if your, your, your ex gets blessed with the relationship of their dreams? And they're about to get married to the man and woman of their dreams. They're younger. They're better looking. They're rich. Aren't you excited for them? Oh, you're not. Isn't it funny how we, we want some people blessed, but not everyone? I mean, you know, I mean, not them. They don't deserve it. You know, you know how they treated me, not them. <laughs> As if somehow your enemy is not a child of God also. See, what triggers us is we feel like, well, I want mine. When am I going to be blessed? When's God going to take care of me? And so we forget that God's a provider God, not just for you, but God's a provider God for everyone. He doesn't just want to provide for you. He wants to provide for other people too. And so God will provide. But then he says, God says, about Abraham, hey, I can't believe, you know, you just really proved your, your value to me that you, are, you, that you fear the Lord to the point of, of even giving up the very thing you love the most, which is your own son. He says, I don't want you to kill him. I was testing you, Abraham. And now I know you won't withhold anything from me. You know what also triggers us? What triggers us is that there's some things we're withholding from God and we're triggered in those areas. Let's just, let's just say, for example, if I were to come in today and you started this message. I said, hey, welcome to the new Triggered series. I decided not to talk on Triggered today. Today we're talking all day on tithing. And some of you be like, oh, here we go. Preachers talking about money. Some of you get really triggered by preachers and churches asking for money. They're like, oh, yeah, it's all about money over there at Church Unlimited. You're triggered by it. But you know what I found about tithing? The only people who are triggered by that topic are people who are withholding. But if you're giving, it doesn't bother you at all. You're like, well, yeah, you need to tithe because God will bless you because you've already experienced the blessings of God from tithing. So you're cool with it. But for those who don't, oh, here we go. Uh-huh, it's all about money over there. Okay, I get it. You're offended by it. Or maybe for you, it's not about that at all. Maybe for you, there, there's someone that you're dating and they're not really honoring the Lord and, and maybe a family member lovingly said, hey, when you talk about who you've been going out with because I don't really think they're this. And you're like, oh, it's my life. I can do what I want. Whoa, you got upset. It's almost like we touched on something that you know in your heart that you don't want to have to admit. So you got mm, triggered. Or maybe there's a lifestyle choice you've been making, doing something that doesn't honor God, and a good Christian friend of yours called you out on it. Says, hey, you know what? I know you should be doing this. You know that God doesn't want I, Hey, you know what? It's my life. I can do what I want. You don't run my life. I run my Woo. You got upset. It's almost like someone's calling you out because they know you're withholding Something that you want to keep. Well, I know, Lord, I love you, but I'm going to do what I want over here. There's an area you're withholding from God. Maybe it's not money. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a, a lifestyle choice. You know, it doesn't honor God, but ah, Lord, this is what this is what I am. You're not getting that. 
Isn't it funny how we don't want God to withhold from us, but yet we withhold from him. Oh, Lord, don't withhold your blessing. Pour your blessing out of my life. Please do this and do that for me. Oh, Lord, please don't withhold. But then, oh, no, I'm going to hold back, though. But I want you to bless me. But I'm not going to. You think it works like that? So we certainly want God to pour out his blessing upon us. But yet we don't like it if God wants us to pour out blessings on him. So I want to challenge you with this. Maybe God puts you in a position that doesn't seem to add up because he's testing your heart. He wants to know you're serious about walking with him, so he'll let you have some frustrations to see are you serious about obeying the Lord. We can all obey God about things we like, but we obey God about things you don't like. So what, what Abraham does is he gives God unquestioned obedience. He just does what he's asked. Okay, Lord, this doesn't have to make sense to me. You're still my God. I will do what you lead me to do. Think about John the Baptist for a moment. You guys know who John the Baptist is in the Bible? It's Jesus' cousin. You know, he, he, he loves Jesus. He knew there was something special about Jesus because he heard all the stories. So he knew that Jesus had the power. And, you know, because, I mean, they were, they were little kids, you know, and they, they were in the family together. He didn't see him for a long time, but, but when he finally saw him, he knew about Jesus. He heard the stories. He knew what Jesus was up to. He knows Jesus is the man. He knows he's the Messiah. And so John the Baptist, when he sees him again, he's baptizing people. And uh, Jesus comes and, and, and John says, uh, you know, Jesus says, hey, I want you to baptize me. John's like, whoa, 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 no, 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 I can't, I can't do that because you're my Lord. There's no way. And he goes, no, no, I, the Father wants me to be baptized. I'm telling you, John, you do it. No, 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 Lord, I don't even deserve to, to tie your sandals. He goes, he goes, John, thank you for that. I need to obey my Father, my Heavenly Father. So he baptizes him. He's kind of blown away. John's one who famously said, uh, he must increase, I must decrease. Like he knew my ministry is about introducing Jesus, not about me, it's about him. So he was all about that, right? So then Jesus begins his ministry after he's baptized. God's really blessing him. And in the same town that Jesus is being, being blessed and people are flocking to him now like they used to flock to John, they're no longer flocking to John, uh, as they're flocking to Jesus and he's doing all this great ministry, John gets thrown in jail. A few blocks from where Jesus is. So John's in jail. You can read the story yourself. In the New Testament there, he's in jail. And he says, hey, come here. One of his guys, hey, come over here. Hey, go, go tell Jesus I'm in jail. Let him know. I'm sure he'll come and get me out, right? Because he's Jesus, he can do whatever, right? And so he's like, just let him know, right? So then he goes, finds Jesus, comes back. He's like, hey, did you tell him here? He's like, yeah. He goes, what did he say? He's like, um, he said, okay. What? No, no, no. Okay, did you tell him I'm in prison? Like, I, don't, I shouldn't be, I didn't do anything wrong. All I did was I'm in prison because I was preaching the gospel about him. So let him know, I'm sure he'll come. Go, 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 go tell him one more time. He comes back. So what do you say? He's coming, right? John, I, I, I told him what you said. And what do you say? He said, he said to say hi. <laughs> that, that was it? Like, is he coming? He, did, he didn't sound like he was coming. Okay, well, they just came by and I had my trial and they were totally lying about me. The whole thing's made up and they just said they're going to kill me. They said they're literally going to take my life. Please let Jesus know that. Okay, okay, I'll go let him know. He comes back. Hey, did you tell Jesus that like, like two, two days from now, like they're, they're cutting my head off, man. Did you tell him? I did. What'd he say? He said, hi. <laughs> Is he coming? John, I'm not getting the vibe that he's coming, man. Okay, well, it's tomorrow now. Tomorrow's a day I'm going to die. I mean, my family's come by to say goodbye. Would you please let Jesus know what's going on in my life right now? Would you let him know? Surely this God who I love and have served will come and... Yeah, I, 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 I said all that. John, I don't know if he's coming. Okay, well, I'm down to 12 hours. Can you just go tell Jesus right now? Like, this is the day. They're coming. They're preparing. I can see they're getting ready for me right now. Would you let them know? Comes back. Did you tell him? 
Okay, man, I'm down to six hours, man. They're like, they're preparing my last meal. Like, this is it, man. Would you please let Jesus know this is down... Man, I'm down to an hour. Yeah, I hear you. Just give me a second. Jesus is coming. Just hold on. I know I'm right. Just, just please wait. Let Jesus know. They're coming right now. Would you please? Okay, all right. All right, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that kind of hurt. Okay. Hey, let Jesus know. Hey, Jesus. Jesus, this is it, man. You got to come get me. Like, you're coming, right? No, no, guys, wait. No, he's coming. I'm t- Jesus. He didn't come. And John died a horrific, violent death after serving his Lord faithfully. What do you do when the God you love doesn't rescue you? I mean, let's just be honest. Can we be honest in God's house and say it doesn't always end well? I mean, can someone explain to me why Billy Graham has a 50-plus year ministry, reaches millions for Christ, only to die a slow, painful death of Parkinson's disease? How is that fair? But that's how it went down. And this sermon may be a little uncomfortable for you, but I'm just trying to speak to the real people today who don't have a 30-minute Netflix episode that ends nicely. But I thought about that. You know, you watch Netflix and, and, and you watch that one episode and it's like a cliffhanger and it looks really bad. But thank God that below that, it says next episode starts in five, four, three. And then they answer it and then you're like, oh, okay, okay, we're good. Okay, now I get it. That what we forgot about John the Baptist, which it looks so bad, but you forgot. Hey, John, I know it's about to be horrific, but in five, four, oh, off goes ahead. Three, two, one, he opens his eyes and he is in all of heaven as they stand to their feet and say, that's what a martyr does for my Lord. And he becomes a hero of the faith in the kingdom of heaven. Because see, it doesn't make sense in the episode we're in why this is happening. But there's another episode that we don't know yet. It'll all make sense in the presence of God. I wish I could tell you it's going to end well here in the episode you're in. I don't know. But I do know that God will get his glory and you will get your victory. Last service as I as I looked at a woman on our front row and with her daughter that lost her husband in the line of duty last month. I had to look at them and say, I know it doesn't make sense now, but you're not alone. There's a God who loves you, who will help you raise your daughter without your husband. And I looked at little Liliana and I said, I know your daddy's not coming home but you still have a daddy and he does love you. And I wish I could make sense of this for you, but I can't, but I know that there's a God who still loves you. And I know that they're not alone because some of you know what I'm talking about when you wanted something to come through and it hasn't happened and you're like, God, are you even there? Are you there? Because I feel like you don't even hear what I'm saying. I'm going through hell and I feel like you're not there. Will you please speak to me, God? I got news for you. The teacher's always silent during the test. 
But I've got some other good news for you. Every test God gives you is always open book. His word, his word can help you. If you'll just find the scripture that deals with what you're dealing with, and maybe you're like Abraham going, I'm being asked by God to do something that seems ridiculous. I'm going through something that doesn't make any sense. I mean, God gave me this spouse, and now they're gone. God gave me this kid, and now they're gone. God gave me this job, and now it's gone. God gave me my peace, and now it's gone. God gave me my health, and now my health is gone. Lord, where are you right now? Because I don't understand. He's still there. And he wants us to obey him when things don't make sense. Because sometimes it won't make sense. And sometimes your answer is not going to come on this side of eternity. But you still have to know there's a loving God who trusts, who, who, who's given you life that you can trust. Because what we want to do is just go, go off and say, why How are you doing? Don't you understand? Are, are you even there? Why? And God's saying, no, 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 no. Keep that hand up. Keep that hand up. I don't get it. But I got to trust that you do. So I'm going to obey you, even though this doesn't make any sense to me. I'm still going to obey you. It's kind of a gritty message today, isn't it? But it's real, isn't it? Is this real? It is. So what do you do? You got to know God's bigger than your frustration, even when it doesn't make sense. Let's talk about Isaac for a second. What about him? <laughs> He's like, Dad, uh... Hi, I trust you. And now you tied me up and you have a knife over me. First of all, even when this whole episode's done and God says, no, 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 don't kill him. I'm sure he's like, thanks, Lord. Uh, Dad, were you planning on taking me out? And I'm supposed to go home and trust you? I mean, I mean can you imagine he's got a knife on him? This will hurt me more than it'll hurt you. No, I don't think so. I think it's going to hurt me a lot more than it's going to hurt you. You ever trusted someone and you wonder if you can trust them anymore? They're telling you God told them to do that. Really? Because this is just kind of an issue with me now, Dad. Genesis 22.9 says, Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. I think it's cool that Isaac carried his own wood up the mountain for his own sacrifice. That sounds like another story. Wasn't there someone else who carried his own wood and gave his life? You see, all Old Testament stories of history are always to point to Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection for us. So Isaac carried his own wood. And he was willing to do the Father's will to lay down his life. That sounds a lot like another story, doesn't it? Another part of history. So what was Isaac doing? Romans chapter 12. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Because of all he's done for you, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you. You know what that means? It means, you know what we would do? When something unfair happens, we say, oh, forget this. I'm out. Oh, I'll let you have it. I'm going to go on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and ream you. I'm going to tell you straight up, or I'm going to get in your face, and I'm going to don't copy the customs of this world. That's what, we, that's what we've been taught. You get yours, man. You let them have it. You get your revenge. That's what the world teaches us, but that's not what God's saying. God, no, 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 that's what the world does. What you do is you lay there, be still, let me tie you up, and you trust that I know what I'm doing. What this means for you and me, number three, your restraint is an act of worship. 
when you don't say what you want to say, when you don't do what you really want to do to them, when you don't respond how you feel like you should respond. It's an act of worship. When that person cuts you off in the parking lot, why are you leaving Church Unlimited in just a few minutes? <laughs> Your act of worship is... Thank you, Lord. When you don't respond like the world responds. Maybe your greatest act of worship today is not church. It's when you drop your kid off at their father's or their mother's house. And you heard they were talking again about you. And you say, oh, you want to know something about your dad? Let me tell you something. No. No, your act of worship is to say, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to trust the Lord. Can I speak to that for a second? Can I talk to that about that for a second? Because every time you take a swing at the X and just let them have it, let your kids know you don't realize it, but the bat in your hand is your kid. But you should hear what the, no, 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 I, I get it. I get it. But one day they'll be old enough, they'll figure it out. They'll figure out who, who had restraint and who didn't. And who do you think they're going to respect? They'll figure it out. It's not your job. Sometimes our job is to do the hardest thing in the world and just, oh. okay, God. You're my avenger. You are the one who defends me. I don't defend me. You defend me. Trust the Lord with all that. He's got it. He's got you. Trust him. Restraint is an act of worship. Last thing I want to say, and we'll wrap it up. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Now, hold on. Didn't Abraham say to his son, oh, yeah, Isaac, the Lord will provide a sheep. But God didn't provide a sheep. He provided a ram. So that kind of confused me. Anyone else here wondering, like, why in the world was it not a sheep? Instead, of, instead it was a ram. Like, what? And I don't understand. But then I looked at scripture and I realized, okay, wait a minute. Now Jesus is called the lamb of God. So he sacrifices life for us. So where was the lamb? And I realized, oh, God did provide the lamb. The lamb was Isaac. It's just God didn't make him go through because there's going to be a greater sacrifice coming. This is just a symbol of what's to come. Right? But God did provide a lamb. The lamb was Isaac. But then God said, okay, I can see you're willing to sacrifice for me. So don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. There's going to be sacrifice later. You don't need to do this. I'm sending my son later for that. We're not taking your son. I'm sending my son. Then God provides a ram. Why a ram? A ram, it didn't say just a ram. It said it was a, a male mature ram. This wasn't a baby ram. This is a full-blown ram. You don't want to mess with a ram, by the way. Rams, like, like a, a lamb you can kill pretty easily. I know it's kind of graphic and gross. I apologize for that. But I'm just saying, like, if you need to kill an animal, that's the one you want to choose because they just kind of sit there and they're kind of dumb. So they don't know what's coming. So it's easier to kill a lamb. But a ram, no, 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 no. They're not going to sit there. They're going to come at you. They got horns that are built for war. They're coming at you. So if you kill a ram, whew, that's pretty tough to do. And if you kill the ram, by the way, you can take off the horns. And when you take off the horns, that's called a shofar. It's called a ram's horn. And a ram's horn in Jewish culture was blown to announce the year of Jubilee, the year you're set free. It was also used as a call to war, just like we use bugles to this day blow the ram's horn, you're like, let's go, which means the ram represents strength. Think about that. It's Dodge, man. It's built ram tough, <laughs> right? I mean, it represents strength, right? And so the lamb represents a weak sacrifice being willing to be weak 
You're willing, in other words, you're not fighting this. You're willing to do it. Like Pilate said to Jesus, you know, I had the power to take your life. And Jesus looked back and said, no, no, no. No, you don't have the power. I had the power. I willingly give my life. I will become the lamb. But then after Jesus died and rose again, he said, now all authority has been given unto me. Now I got the power to do what I want to do with this world and in this world. And so what God is trying to tell you and me is if we will, instead of responding and retaliating and being triggered like the world says, we'll just instead lay down our life and say, I'm going to set down my rights. I'm going to not get what I want. I'm going to honor the Lord in the middle of this, even though it doesn't make sense to me. I'm going to honor you, Lord. I'm going to sacrifice for you. God says, then if you'll do that, I will, in a short time, see your obedience, stop what's going on, stop the madness, and then you will have the ram, which means what? I'm going to put you at full strength, full power. So God always tests you and I before he gives us full power. Even Jesus went to the wilderness, and after the wilderness experience where he was tested three times, after that, it said the Holy Spirit came upon him powerfully. How in the world can Jesus get more power? I mean, he's already fully God. But somehow, even with Jesus, more power came upon him. Because a ram represents full strength. What does it mean for me and you? Number four, after you pass the test of not getting your way, you are now at full strength for battle. Pass this test. Because God will strengthen you. Some of you say, I just need God to give me strength so I can pass this test. No, pass the test, then God gives you strength. Lord, I just need you to help me overcome the temptation. No, overcome the temptation, then I'll help you. You have just enough power to obey God today. And then he will strengthen you for the next phase of your life. You want to be at full power? Pass the test. Abraham, I'm going to entrust you with the whole nation, but I need to know if I can first just trust you with one kid. And if you'll prove faithful with one kid, then I'll give you a nation. You're going to prove faithful in what you're going through right now. That makes no sense. That is totally unfair. It is totally wrong. It makes, where in the world are you, God? And if you'll stay faithful, God will bring you to full power. Did you bow your heads with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to encourage you during this prayer time. If God is speaking to you because you're in the middle of a mess, you're in the middle of a situation that makes no sense, it is totally unjustified, it is not fair, it is not right, and I'm having to deal with this, God, where are you, God? Are you even there? And God says, yes, I've been here all along. You're in the middle of a test. Pass the test. Obey the Lord, even when it's tough. If that's you today, would you lift your hand high and say, God, I'm going to stick with this. I know you're there. I don't understand, but I don't have to understand. I just got to be faithful to you. I want to give you today unquestioned obedience. Thank you. There are hands going up. God sees you. Mount Moriah. That's what that means. God sees your hand at Padre Island. God sees your hand at the west side right now. He knows what's going on. God sees your hand right now at Rodfield. God sees your hand in Stone Oak. God knows what you're facing. He sees you. He sees what you've been going through. He sees how you've been treated. He sees what they said about you that was totally unfair, how they lied about you. He sees all that. He sees it. Which means he will reward you in time for being faithful to him. Rather than keeping your fist up at God, open that hand. Lord, I worship you instead. With your head bowed and your eyes closed during this prayer time, if you've never trusted Christ to be your Lord and your Savior, you can receive him right now by praying a very simple prayer. Because see, Isaac laid on that altar and was willing, but he didn't have to give his life because Jesus was willing and he did give his life. He died for your sin and for mine and he rose again. With your head bowed, your eyes closed, you can receive Christ by praying a very simple prayer. Pray this prayer with me now. You can say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin and I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart, be my Lord, and be my savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. 
I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. In your name we pray. Amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.